1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the second episode of the Brit Rest Roundtable, backed by popular demand of at least four people saying they'd be interested in listening again. This episode, it's me, uh, Rob Reed, and with me is Ollie Court. Hey there, Rob. Um, Arnold isn't here this episode. He's uh, going through a somewhat of a week of hell at work, uh, so you'll have to uh, struggle through with just the two of us for this week. Uh, but we've got a we've got a loaded show, lots and lots of uh, shows up and down the country, uh, and lots to talk about in general. We're going to kick things off by talking about um, actually a show that isn't taking place in the the UK. One of the biggest events of the summer over in the US Indies um, is occurring uh, over the next few days, on between the 28th and 30th of August, uh, and that's the uh, PWG's Battle of Los Angeles. And we're going to be talking about uh, that this episode due to the heavy European uh, involvement uh, in the, uh, tournament participants. On, in the roster, Will Ospreay's gonna be over there, as well as Marty Scurll, uh, Mark Andrews, um, Drew Galloway, Tommy End, and Zack Sabre Jr.
0: Loaded lineup. Very excited for all the matches they're gonna be involved in. Uh, should we talk about each guy in order and see what they can bring to the table? See what, uh, US fans who've never seen them before can expect from them?
1: Yeah. Uh, so if we start off with Will Ospreay. Um, you you if you listened to the previous episode, you probably heard um all three of us rant about how good he is. Um, for me, he's he's my favourite wrestler on the the UK scene at the moment, and someone I'm very much uh, excited to see how he's going to uh, do over on the bigger stage uh, over at Bola.
0: Yeah, I I'd, I'd agree that he's my favourite as well. Like he just. He leaps off the page and like, he's immediately spectacular is how I describe him. So I think a new crowd, any new crowd all, all around the world will take to him instantly. I think he's going to really thrive, uh, in the PWG environment where it can get a bit spot-festy, but it's generally about, uh, pulling off really awesome moves and having a bit of a party. And I think Ospreay's style, more than any of these guys, even more than Zack Sabre Jr., who's already established there, I think will thrive in that environment.
1: Definitely. Um, for, for those not familiar, um, which I imagine will be a, a, a fair portion of you, Will Ospreay is primarily a high flyer, um, but in recent years he's very much rounded out his game, oh, yeah. um, similar to the way Ricochet or uh, Matt Seidel has, um, where their uh, big spots are almost all high-flying moves and they're some of the best high flyers in the world but they're not just about the uh the dives and the spots and such.
0: Mm, I think like he's really gotten the psychology of wrestling down pat this year like over the last year he's really evolved from just like a, a really awesome high flyer to someone who's genuinely a great all-rounder and a future main eventer I think on a really in a really big company.
1: Definitely. Uh the second guy uh, as previously mentioned is Marty Skull you may know him if you uh, are a, uh follow TNA closely um as one of the participants in the first edition of the British boot camp seems like a long
0: time ago now
1: yeah but he's he's really uh, come on since then he's he's more of a ground based um wrestler compared to Osprey um he with a very uh very strong technical base uh, that makes up the core of his matches um, and, and be best known, uh, for being the partner of, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. as part of the, uh, leaders of the new school.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, uh, in the last year again, Skull's really, like, grown as a performer. He's gotten his villain character. He's, like, donned the sunglasses and the top knot and really, like, found himself a niche, something that he didn't have when he was in TNA in 2012, when he was just a kind of generic, happy-go-lucky guy. Um but now I think with his strong character he can really win, win over some fans in the US.
1: One of the big advantages Marty has is as soon as you see him in his um present incarnation, uh he really stands out. He's got a very yeah. well defined look. Yeah, definitely. More so than a guy like Osprey who you really have to see in the ring and then he's gonna win you over. Marty can get you right from the off as soon as you see him, as soon as he walks through that curtain. He's got this crazy look, um, and I, I just imagine that the PWG crowd is gonna take to him instantly.
0: Oh yeah, they're gonna go, uh, they're gonna love his entrance, that's for sure, and once he gets in the ring, he can more than deliver there as well, and he has been doing for quite some time.
1: Um, some of the criticisms of Skrull, uh, have been that he does very much work to his opponent's level but uh with this this year's bowler lineup being so strong similar to last year's i don't really feel that's going to be too much of a um, too much of a hindrance for him mm-hmm.
0: i think he'll absolutely bring it like there's no way he's going to tone it down in pwg
1: third uh, british guy who uh is primarily been seen on the british scene you might not be as familiar with is uh, mark andrews again he uh he's been doing work recently with TNA um although with the diminishing viewership of TNA you might not have actually seen him uh, but this for me is really a chance for andrews to um really show what he can do without the handcuffs that TNA have put on him over in the US because he, he really hasn't had much of a chance to um uh to to show himself at his best Uh, in his recent TNA run. Mm, I
0: don't even watch TNA anymore, but uh, I don't even know if they've even had him in a singles match yet. I think he's just been working, like, X-Division three ways, six ways, however many ways, but he hasn't really had a chance to shine and put a good match together on his resume. Uh,
1: In many ways, um, Mark Andrews can kind of be viewed as a prototype Will Ospreay. Um, A few years ago, before he went over and, and got this... Well, it was supposed to be a full-time gig with TNA, but no one's really full-time with TNA at this point. Um, he, he was very much in the position of the, the young and upcoming high flyer that the UK scene was very hot about. I don't personally feel that he's quite on the level of Osprey now. Um, but he is very good and this, this is a great opportunity for him and he really could, um, after a year or two in TNA of and losing any buzz he really had, he really could um, propel himself back into the uh, the minds of many fans as a top guy.
0: Going into TNA is almost like a death sentence these days. Uh, he might be lucky and it might die on its own, so he might be freed from that. <laughs> um, but he's he has sort of been usurped by Will Ospreay, especially now that he's in America and isn't on the British scene full-time. Like, Ospreay almost seems like a better Mark Andrews in some ways, and I think this is this match against Osprey on night one is a good chance for him to uh show the world that he isn't just the a worse Will Ospreay that he can hang, be different, and produce something of his own.
1: Going on to the matches that these guys are going to be having, um Will Ospreay and Mark Andrews, two of the British guys, are going to be facing each other on night one, as you said. Uh this is a match that this happened several times over on the UK scene, uh, from a year or two back, mm-hmm. and these two really know each other well. Um, they had, I think, they had two fantastic matches in progress together.
0: They had one uh, in February in uh, Southside in uh, Kent.
1: Yeah, and uh, from what I've seen, I haven't seen all of their matches together, but the matches I have seen of them together, they've always delivered. In some ways, I was kind of disappointed. To see that these two were facing each other in the first round of uh, BOLA. I was looking forward to uh, seeing them get a chance to work with some fresh opponents. And um, with them facing each other in the first round, one of them's going to have to go out first round. And that will mean we're not going to see a fresh singles match from one of them. Yeah,
0: I think the the general uh, reason for the match is to show them at their best with an opponent that they know, with an opponent they've wrestled several times in good matches before. You know, put the best foot forward rather than put them with someone they might not be able to work with that well.
1: Yeah, so there's definitely positives and negatives for that. Who do you expect to advance in this uh all-British first-round match?
0: Mm, I'd probably say Osprey, simply from a British perspective, but uh in America they may know Andrews better, they may think more highly of him. I. I'm not inside the mind of uh, the PWG booking, but, yeah, I'd say Osprey.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. He, he seems to have a lot more buzz going in. You know, he's been working with guys like Styles and Sydal over on the uh, British scene and having blow-away matches so they're getting international buzz, um, while Andrews is kind of going in cold. Not completely his fault, but later on in that uh, night... Uh, the first night of Bola, um, we're going to see the uh, three of the other UK or European guys uh, go against um, Mount uh, the newly formed Mount Rushmore 2.0. Um, this is going to be, I think, this is the main event, or it might be the semi-main event. I'm um, not
0: sure. Sounds like a main event matchup. I think
1: similar to the the match last year. I think it was the main event of the uh, first night of Bola, which saw. Um, Zack, uh, Taylor and Omega face, I think it was Mount Rushmore at the time, um, the first incarnation. And that, that really was a match that launched, uh, Zach in PWG. Uh, this one sees, uh, Marty Skull, uh, Zach Sabre Jr., so the two together being the leaders yep. of the new school, and, uh, teaming with Tommy End, who, has had a few appearances in PWG, uh so far, but for me hasn't really been able to show fully what what he's all about. No. I think this could be a breakout um match for him. Yeah, this is
0: much better suit And
1: they're going up against uh the Young Bucks and Roderick Strong.
0: I mean it's a fantastic matchup. Uh Dream Team versus Dream Team kind of thing. Um I think Young Bucks versus leaders of the new school is Something everyone wants to see. Throw in strong, throw in end, uh, who had a great match in progress. Uh, yeah, it's just gonna be a mental six man. And definitely, as you say, it's a good chance for Tommy End to re-establish himself and Skill to show exactly what he can do. And he's in there with Zack Sabre, uh, which will help
1: him. Yeah. Um, a lot of what I've seen from End on the, the US scene has been the, uh, the grappling style, the, uh, Grapple, fuck. I think Drew Gulak calls it catch point wrestling. Um, he he's been placed into a lot of those matches, and for me, that's not really where I, where he excels. I think this is really going to be an opportunity um for him to be a part of a crazy fast paced mm-hmm. sprint where he he gets to throw loads of his amazing looking kicks. I think
0: he uh. I think he's a better tag team wrestler than he is a singles wrestler, so that'll help. I mean, like, I can say his striking is just phenomenal. He's probably the best in the world.
1: Yeah, totally. This is definitely a match that, that suits all six guys in here. Um, this is maybe the match I'm most looking forward to. Um, from the matches announced from Bowler so far. Obviously, there's all the, uh, second round and on matches are yet to, um, are yet to be determined, but uh, from from what's been announced, this is the real standout for me.
0: Well, I'd go uh the last singles match we're gonna talk about in Night Two, but uh we'll get to that in a moment. Speaking of Night Two, uh run down the matches for the European guys there, starting with Marty Skull versus Rich Swan.
1: This is um this is an interesting match for me because Rich Swan, while I do enjoy him particularly as part of a uh, tag team, he is someone who, maybe not carried is the right word, but I often feel he has to be led to a good singles match. And we had previously been mentioning how Skull often performs up or down to his opponent. This this was wouldn't have been the first round match I'd have chosen. No, Skull, I can't I
0: see their styles meshing too well together. I think it will be very indy if that makes any sense. Um But they're both very charismatic They can obviously put together a good match So we'll see what they can do
1: Yeah, Swan's best Favoured uh, uh Swan's best matches in general Are when he's in there with someone who can Throw him around And I guess Marty could do that, but it's not really his forte
0: um, He's very good with Johnny Gargano, so if Marty's girl can become Johnny Gargano for a night Then <laughs> we'll see What happens
1: I mean, he he could surprise us. It's obviously a huge opportunity for him, so he's going to be Definitely. going out there and giving his 110%. But um, I hope, while I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Skull, um I, I do like him a lot, but there are people who are higher than him on me. I do hope he advances here, because if he does go out first round um, against Swan, I don't think you'll really see, get to see the best. No, I think Swan...
0: Uh, he's not protected at all in the booking, so he can easily take a loss here, and Skull can move on to another feature match.
1: Yeah, it's very much a match, uh, Skull can win, uh, which, which in that sense is, is mm-hmm. good. Uh,
0: the second match, uh, that we're gonna talk about, Jugulak versus Tommy End.
1: Yeah, so as I was, uh, just mentioning, um, this is gonna likely be yeah. one of the grappling matches, and while, A lot of people do like that style. I'm not personally one of them. But more than more than just personal taste, the grappling style doesn't quite seem to be working in PwG. Yeah, it
0: gets uh it doesn't seem to be uh I think there's a way of doing the grappling in a charismatic way, in an interesting way, that Zack Sabre Jr. does, which I eat up. Like the way Sabre Jr. builds his matches logically. And he has exciting bits as well, but generally it's ground-based grappling, but it's not grapple-fucking, if that makes any sense. Like The grapple-fucking is very... It's very boring. (laughs) Like, there's no injection of personality into it until suddenly at the end, they're like bonking each other on the head, and one of them wins. It doesn't do anything for me, so hopefully they can do something a little bit different to that. I think Gulak is the best of those guys, in terms of being able to deliver, deliver an actual match rather than just rolling around in dojo walls.
1: Mm, I think I prefer Busek slightly, but Gulak has had matches I've enjoyed.
0: Oh yeah, I'm confusing Gulak with Busek. You know, Gulak's the worst for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> B- Gulak has had matches I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed his match a lot with Gargano. I can't remember which Evolve show it was, but he he can uh, be very good when put in there with well, I, I, I can enjoy him quite a lot when put in there with someone who, who isn't someone who works that, that style and kind of pulls more of a traditional indie match out of him. Um, many people would say that's not pe- playing to his strengths and that they prefer that thing. But for me personally, I'm not someone who particularly enjoys that style. But I think Tommy's, maybe Tommy, one of Tommy's problems is that he's just good enough at that style that when he's in there with a Gulak or a Busek or a, a Thatcher, he's going to have a match of that style rather than someone like Gargano, who, when put in there with a Gulak, pulls Gulak out of his shell into close to Gargano's style. Mm-hmm.
0: I think N just needs to throw some knees, throw some strikes, pop the crowd, like that usually works. <laughs> uh, I'm not think I'm not expecting too much from this match, so uh
1: and again I'm really hoping End advances here because if he does go out first round, it, it, you're not gonna, I don't think you're gonna see the best of End of War Yeah, that to would offer. be a bummer. Similar to Skull. I think
0: he will advance. I think, uh, he has slightly more, uh, hold in the hierarchy in PWG than Gulak. Uh, should we move on to match three?
1: Yep. So the next, um, the next match with one of the European guys is a guy we didn't really cover right at the beginning because uh, you're all going to be familiar with him from his days in WWE. Uh, that's uh, Drew Galloway, the uh, former Drew McIntyre, as I'm sure you all know, uh, going up against Mike Bailey. What do you think and of speed this Speedball
0: Mike Bailey. I haven't seen too much of him, so I don't know, don't have a big opinion. I've seen like a couple of matches from this year, but nothing more. Um, but I know that they're trying to build him up and Galloway would be a big scalp so i'd say mike bailey to win this one um but i'm not really in the the hot seat to give an informed opinion on this one
1: i enjoy bailey quite a lot um when he's in there with another guy who wrestles what i describe as a very yeah, indie style it it can get it can get as you mentioned earlier for another match very indie riffic, but, um, Galloway's a guy who can really throw Bailey around. He's, you know, what, what, when Galloway came to the, back to the indies, the big thing I really noticed was just how large the guy was, uh, in comparison to a lot of these indie guys. Uh, and his best matches have been when he's, he's just been able to toss around his opponent. And Bailey's, of a size and of a flyer, um, a flying style that that's really gonna work. Um, I could see this match very much being a breakout performance for um for Bailey. I, I mean, Bailey's had breakout performances in PWG already. Many would say, but this this could really be um that big mm-hmm. big win. As you said, Galloway does does seem very much set up. As a um as a stepping stone for Bailey, who seems to be about to be pushed heavily in yeah, PWG. I, think so. um, I, I, I. Galloway's not a a regular in PWG. It feels to me like they're just bringing him in for this this tournament. So seems tailor made to put mm-hmm. over Bailey here.
0: <laughs> I think we've watched too many wrestling tournaments. Here <laughs> we know the the tropes. Okay, should we get to the final match? I'm very excited for this one. Uh, Ricochet versus Zack Sabre Jr. The dream match.
1: It's very intriguing. I'm not entirely sure how that the two stars are gonna mesh because they're very different styles. But these two guys are so good, I can't imagine it being anything but. Well, great.
0: they had the uh, the freeway with Mark Haskins in progress, which I watched a couple of weeks ago to get hyped for this one. Oh,
1: yes, yes, I've forgotten about that. That was um. One of my favourite matches oh, yeah, in progress that... history. Yeah, that was fantastic. It's an excellent
0: match. Uh, everyone should go and see it. And th- those two guys were very good back then. They're even better now. So I think they can work some real magic in this one.
1: Ricochet, as um, we, we seem to be talking about indie IndieRiftik <laughs> a lot at this point already. But Ricochet now and again does have a, a tendency to get that way. But with with an opponent like Zach, I think you're really going to see the um that side of him toned down. Um, You're going to see a more story. Yeah, for The match.
0: I think Ricochet is probably going to work towards Saber's style simply because Saber can't work towards Ricochet's style in the same way. Um And yeah, they'll both have a lot to prove. I assume this will be very high up the card on night two, and I I think it will blow everyone away.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean you you've seen a lot of um over the last year or two, um a lot of people over in the US have become uh familiar with Zach. But for me this tournament really feels like it could be taking him to the next level over on the US Indies, where he goes from a special European attraction who's bound to put on good matches, to um a main eventer uh, a main event mm-hmm. level indie talent in his own right not just because he's a... Well, I was thinking practice. about
0: this uh, last week, and, uh, like, when Zack Sabre Jr. lost in his Evolve title match, and I'm just thinking how he's always the bridesmaid everywhere he goes. Like, he lost the Junior, the Noah Junior League as well, when he was leading that, like, the whole way through, and then, like, lost a shitty match in the last night uh, to lose his block. And, like, I'm just thinking... Is this the tournament where Saber Junior stops like floating around? Like he goes to Noah, he goes to PWG, he goes to Evolve, and like is this a tournament where he becomes not that he can't go to Japan anymore, but does he become more of a PWG guy specifically? And is that is this tournament here to make him that?
1: I mean, the way the matches have been set up with him in the first match first round against Ricochet, last year's winner and I have to imagine he's winning here. Like, as strange as that sounds saying that last year's winner's going to go out in the first round, it does just feel uh, like that's the way they're going to go. I
0: I would agree with Um, that. I think again like, the big, not an upset, but a big win to set up Saber Jr. for a big tournament run maybe not to win it, but definitely to get to the final, I think.
1: And Zach really is good at tournaments, like that can't be mm-hmm. stated enough. The
0: progress tournament from May, like, he had wrestled four matches in two days, having just flown in from Japan, and every match was near on four stars or above, so, what more what, what can you ask for?
1: You see a lot of good wrestlers, um, go into tournaments, very good wrestlers go into tournaments, and they'll have one or two very good matches, If they're going all the way and then in the middle, maybe they'll, they'll not quite put full effort in to save themselves in the final or something like that. But Zach's style behooves himself to tournaments. He, it's not that he's not working hard in every match, but it's, it's something that it's, it's a a level where he can continue to put out that level of match repeatedly throughout the weekend. And deliver everything. He makes it look time. so easy.
0: I mean, <laughs> it might, it must not be very easy, but like, just the way he works and like, how good it looks, it looks very easy, and he's a special talent.
1: So, um, with that, all the, uh, announced matches, um, for the UK and, well, European guys, if you're throwing end in there, um, what other matches are you looking forward to potentially seeing? This, I think I'll have uh, to uh, bring up
0: the entire lineup just to answer that question because I can't remember who everyone everyone is in it.
1: Uh. While you're looking for that, I'll just throw one out here. Tommy End versus Pentagon Junior. Or
0: anyone versus Pentagon Junior. <laughs> I think.
1: Well, yeah. I think you could almost completely go down the lineup of um the entire tournament and pick out every single name <laughs> of Pentagon Junior. <laughs> And that would be somewhat of a dream match. But the, the brawl that End and Pentagon could have together would just be, I'm getting <laughs> excited just speaking about oh, it. Yeah. It would, it would be fun. I can't imagine it being anything but fantastic. And I, and we talked about maybe the Gulak match not suiting End, um, as a first round match. That would really be a match that, N could sh- show exactly mm-hmm. what he's. I about. think
0: I've I've got all the participants up, and I think they're in a bracket as well. I'm not sure if the brackets are official. I
1: I don't think they are. They they weren't last year because uh, I remember with the, uh, P- the yeah pickles last thinking. year. We had we had them all um, it all laid out, and it turned out that the Wikipedia brackets just had the first round matches in yeah, random order because the that's brackets what I've got up here
0: for. Uh brackets from wikipedia and so if that's not official then uh screw it
1: i think most people are in but play.
0: uh <laughs> just the way the wikipedia bracket is set up uh you've got will osprey and pentagon junior i mean that would be a dream match or will osprey versus drago whoever wins out of drago pentagon junior either one would be
1: great i've got to think pentagon's winning there he like as good as drago is like pentagon's the go for mm-hmm. the hype uh
0: zack saber jr um... versus matt Seidel. Can I tempt you? <laughs> that could be a lot
1: of fun. That that would be a lot of fun. Um, who do you like to see Marty against? Um, who well, against? I saw him
0: against Chris Hero last year, and that would be a great rematch to have in front of the PWG crowd.
1: Yeah, yeah, that those stars would very much suit mm-hmm. Marty, and as Marty's a guy who performs, as we said, up or down to his opponent, Chris Hero is, you know you're not before me down to a guy like Definitely. that that's
0: for sure anyone versus Anhelico. zsj yeah. versus Anhelico. we'll
1: <laughs> operate just just a a, a spot fest between us <laughs> and Anhelico as like a you know like a a quarter yeah. final match you know it's it would just be so much fun so much fun
0: and do you see anyone going to the finals out of the seven european guys
1: uh seven
0: Oh yeah, yeah, six, six. Sorry.
1: Going to the finals, I think. I think Saber Junior could very much be a guy, if if they wanted to to go all the way, he'd be perfect for it. Um, the one proviso is he's probably not ever going to be available for every mm. PWG show um, with his commitments in Noah. But that said, um, they gave Ricochet the win last year. And he hasn't been on every PWG show this year. He's missed shows from being in Dragon Gate, in New Japan, Lucha, mm-hmm. Un- uh, Lucha Underground. So it, it's not something historically they've been against. Um, and I get the impression that they're very high on Zach. Just from the way they've booked him every single match, he's been, even if it's not been like a main event or anything, he's been... Put in a high profile match in every single card he's mm-hmm. been on. So that could. I could see him going to the final, potentially even winning it, um, if that's what they wanted to do. Well, um, the,
0: the finals are a freeway, so he can still go there and not lose but not win either, uh, if they want to protect him.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that happening. Um, someone like Osprey. I see him having a good run, but I don't see him no. getting to the finals. Especially especially as it's his first um. First yeah, WWE they want to show appearance. him off but they don't
0: want to put him over the top, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I can see him having, you know, beating Andrews night one, being in some sort of tag match night two. They haven't announced anything for him on Andrews yet, but I can see maybe Osprey and Andrews against ooh, who who else doesn't have anything night 2 well maybe the young bucks oh no i think they're facing an Helicon and, and jack evans night 2 anyway i can see them in some off break yeah, going in some sort of tag match with andrews night 2 and then um having his second round match i think that's quarterfinals yeah. if i'm yeah um he he'd have a quarterfinal match um night 3 um against you know, one of the dream matches we've mentioned, um, and then either going out there or going out in a semi. But I, I don't see him quite going to the final. They they seem to generally reserve that for the, um... They're regularly yeah. booked, guys. Andrews, I don't... I see him losing first round, and even if he does beat Ospreay, I think he, he'll be going out mm-hmm. straight after that. I
0: agree. Skull?
1: Uh, we've been... Skull's a tricky one, because... Depending on how much they've watched of Skrull, um, you can be... A... I mean, if you've cherry-picked the best of Skrull, he can look like a world-beater. And from what I've heard, um, Super Dragon himself, who's reportedly the booker of PWG, makes all the big decisions of who advances and whatnot, um, doesn't watch a huge amount, if anything, really. Um so he I could see them getting behind him. Um, maybe for a, a similar run to the run Zach had last year, where I think he went to the I can't remember if it was the quarterfinals or the semifinals and wrestled to uh uh a uh, was it a disqualification or a, a draw with Kylo Ryan? Yeah, Wasn't I think that yeah. Happened? That re- where he had a good run. But uh, again, I can't see him going all the way to the final. Tommy
0: End, do you think he could get to the final since he is a semi-regular at PWG?
1: Yeah. um, I think Tommy's a tricky one here. Um, Because I do get the impression they like him. but um, He needs a
0: big match to really put him over.
1: Yes. He hasn't had the big matches that, um, that Sabre has had. Um coming in roughly the same time as him. Um, I can see him definitely advancing at least to the quarterfinals, maybe to the semis again. I mean, you could throw him out into the finals, but um, I-, I don't see him as a potential winner like I see that. No,
0: I think Sabre Jr. is a good bet to get to the finals. Uh, maybe not to win, but he's certainly in the conversation. I think everyone else... Um, I think everyone has a chance to get to the quarterfinals, win their match. Um, but I don't think anyone else could get to the finals except for maybe Tommy.
1: Yeah, because um, I don't know about you, but me personally, the way the booking's been going, um, I'm seeing maybe a Busick or a um a Bailey. Or a Trevor Lee yeah, going very far in this the tournament. In
0: house guys, <laughs> maybe.
1: Yeah, because they they've been set up already against um, Roderick, who's the current champion, and with him supposedly, well, uh, reportedly signing uh, exclusively yeah. with Ring of Honor uh, now, you've got to imagine that he will be losing the the title fairly soon. And if they want to, um, put the title onto the winner of Bola, um, maybe Zach isn't the guy to win, as he's not, probably not gonna be, um, on every show. Um, and guys like Busick and Lee and Bailey already have that built in feud with Strong and the whole of Mount Rushmore
0: 2.0. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, Zab rest summer holidays, here uh, talking about Bola, uh, but, I think that's a, a logical way of looking at things. Uh shall we move on back home to chapter twenty. Progress, Thunder bastard.
1: Yeah. So uh this show took place um just after we recorded the last episode. We previewed it on the last episode. Um July twenty sixth, uh Thunderbastard beyond Thunderbastard, uh Progress's chapter twenty show. Um were you there yeah, live? Yeah, I was for there live,
0: uh, in a new seat back, uh, towards the stage, which I much preferred over my old seat, which is on the other side, and you had to squint to see them coming through the curtain. <laughs> so I think I'm gonna sit there from now on.
1: Overall, how, um, I know you've written a review up on the site, so, uh, people can, uh, check that out over on, uh, voicesofwrestling.com, uh, to see a full review. But, um, as an overall experience, what was your, um, what were your thoughts on the show? Altogether? Um, I thought,
0: uh, once the fourth match, SDS vs. Hunter Brothers, came on, that was when the show really picked up. I thought the first three matches were fun, but nothing you'd ever want to see again, uh, like to rewatch them. Um, but the last three matches, the tag title match, the Thunderbastard match, and the progress title match, all very fun in different ways. Uh, the Thunderbastard match, not a good work-rate match, obviously, but it was fun, especially live with the entrances and just the general atmosphere and the two title matches really delivered in very different ways, and we'll get to that in a moment.
1: Yeah, so if we just run through the, uh, the cards chronologically, the opener, uh, had Noam Dar and he was, uh, scheduled to face, uh, Dave Mastiff, um, but, uh, Mastiff was replaced by, uh, one of our, both of our favourites, um, Pastor William mm-hmm.
0: Eva. Um, I'm not sure what happened with Mastiff, but, uh, they got Bill in, and he got to pick up the big win over a very established guy like Noam Dar, which I thought was a bit of a lucky stroke, really. Um, obviously not what they had planned, but they get to put, uh, one of the Projo guys over big. Uh he's in the Natural Progression series this year and like he's looking very good in terms of progress booking. He hasn't lost a singles match yet, I don't think. Not on the chapter shows at least. So uh he's in a very good position. The match itself, I thought it was a fun opener, a hot opener, uh very fast paced, like watching it, uh rewatching it on Demand Progress, having just watched uh G One show before, like the difference was night and day, like the middling G1 shows where they work very lethargic, trying to save their bodies, and here, Dar and Eva just going all out. Uh The ending, though, came a bit too suddenly, and kept the match from being anything more than alright, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of both of these guys. Um, William Eva, he, he's got kind of a, a pre-skimmick, and, and at first look at him, he does seem very much a guy who's going to be all gimmick, but when you actually get to see him in the ring, mm-hmm. fantastic. It's similar to Dalton. Uh, Dalton, Dalton Castle? Castle? <laughs> Dalton Castle? I don't know. Dalton Castle in that way. Um, you know, he, he almost when you first look at him, you, you expect him to be defined by his gimmick, but beneath there, there's yeah, a fantastic. Yeah, it's very
0: eye-catching. Look. He's got a great entrance theme, and like. A solid fan support. They've really built him well. Better than, well, maybe not the Geezers, but better than any other, uh, projo talent he's gotten over with the fans and really making a name for himself, not just in progress, but in other promotions as well where he's starting to get booked. Uh, he's really impressive.
1: Hmm. Um, he was seemingly lucky to, um, move into this pre- position as a replacement for Mastiff. But I couldn't really think of a, a better guy to give this big win to. Um As you said, I found the match... It was enjoyable while it went. Um But the finish was mm, very He needs abrupt. a different finisher, I think. Um,
0: clothesline isn't going to do it. He's got to think of something more impactful.
1: I mean, it's a nice lariat, but it's not a great enough lariat that it can stand on its own um as a finisher. You know, you, you're going to see... You might see Ishii throw ten lariats in one match that are as as good as he's throwing. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a a great lariat to see. I I love lariats, but um, in uh, modern wrestling you really have to have a a lariat or a clothesline that's above and beyond if you want to get it over as a finisher.
0: it, It didn't have any crowd reaction. It was just a a transitional move into the finish people thought like it was building to the end and then it kind of ended but other than that it was a solid yeah. match like a good good opener
1: yeah it it was i i was expecting more going in because I'm a big fan of both these guys i didn't think their styles quite meshed as well as I was hoping it i'd say it it kind of lacked a bit of flow perhaps um but but it it did its job it it um it was a fast paced fun opener that uh fired up the crowd. Yeah. So you can't really complain and too much about finish, that. And the finish
0: perhaps more important than the match uh, with Noam Dar holding up a Progress T shirt, a Chapter One T shirt, and seemingly saying goodbye for now. It wasn't like a retirement from Progress or anything, but he's not not going to be booked on the next few shows. Perhaps not until next year. So this is a chance for a guy like Eva or the guys in the next match uh to move up the card, fill up. A spot.
1: I'd uh I'd missed this story. Um, why why isn't Dar um going to be?
0: I think just the the they want to cycle through the talent. I think I don't think there's anything major to it. I think the there's an ICW tour going on in October through the UK, so he's part of that. Yeah, I think just generally the booking and his dates don't match up. So, they decided to give Eva the big win,
1: yeah, I can see that because you the the progress roster because of the uh the the upswelling quality British talent that are appearing everywhere recently uh it has got somewhat bloated uh that they 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 simply can't fit everyone on the card. This was kind of an example of that they had i think they had an eight man match in and a, a four man match just to try and fit as yeah. many guys they could on, and they're still still missing some guys off so uh I, I can see them uh, wanting to cycle guys in and out. I think that's a smart decision really to keep keep the guys fresh, especially as they're going to be running more, uh, more yeah, shows now um, you um I saw in your review you uh said that you could perhaps see him ending up joining the origin when he turns comes back. Did I say that?
0: <laughs> I don't remember saying that.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh <laughs> you,
0: you got to read me back my words here.
1: I might be misremembering.
0: Oh, uh, okay. It might have been someone else.
1: I think it was... It might have been. Um, He was holding up a Chapter 1 shirt. So that oh, yeah, could yeah. Up, that could... I, guess. Nah,
0: I see that. I'm not sure that was me. That must have been someone else, but... It's a oh, point okay. well made.
1: <laughs> yeah, whoever it was, <laughs> uh... well done.
0: The oh, second yeah. match on the show, Bubblegum versus Kyle Ashmore versus Mike Hitchman, Board Boar, and Flash Morgan-Webster uh, in what was billed as a cruiserweight match. I don't know how Kyle Ashmore is a cruiserweight, but there we go. Um, and a win for Flash Morgan-Webster, the Natural Progression Series winner, as he moves towards his inevitable title match. What did you think of this one? Um,
1: Wasn't a big fan, really. Um I am a guy who, who does like multi man matches more than most, I find. Um, like, I often, you know, they're, they're often a lot of fun, I find. But, um, this one, it was, it was quite sloppy. Um, again, it didn't really flow yeah. fantastically. And I'm not the biggest fan of many guys in this match. I mean, Mike Hitchman, the wild boar, uh, I like him a lot, but, um, Webster, mm, I'm not, I'm not too keen on him. A lot of his offense doesn't doesn't do much for me. You know, it it's very flippy, very looks very hard to execute, but at the same time doesn't look. Yeah, great definitely. For me. He like there was a um, spot
0: where he had his like he was trying to do a reverse runner off the ropes, and he sort of like got stuck on the ropes, kind of, and it looked just kind of awkward. The reverse runner itself was good but the setup looked very like forced. He does try to do maybe a bit too much and he could tone it down a little bit.
1: Yeah. And like I don't know what it is about him but I just find his entire entire wrestling quite <laughs> annoying. I mean it, I don't I don't understand exactly why. It, I just start since I've been watching more of him um uh the more I see of him, the more the little things annoy me that really shouldn't. Like, the way he runs around the the ring has started to annoy me. I'm not sure why. I think, uh,
0: his look would be much better suited to a heel. Like, just the way, like, the way he adopts the mod fashion, and he looks like Jay from the Inbetweeners. Like, I feel that's classic heel stuff. And then, like, he trots out as a baby face. I thought he was very good in the match with Zach Gibson, uh, to win the NPS. Uh, I don't know. Who you'd attribute that to, though, Gibson or Webster.
1: Yeah, for me Gibson was the guy uh making that match. But Morgan held his own there. And to be fair to him, um he he has got very well over in progress. He's got good fan support um recently. He got a good pop for this win. Um what do you think of the other uh, two guys? I, I, I thought was.
0: Bubblegum was uh the most impressive guy in this match, actually. I know you're not a fan of the uh the chav gimmick that he's doing and sticking his hand where it doesn't belong.
1: It it just seems very two dimensional mm, to me. It's like, a bit he he does the same thing to <laughs> It's 20 a bit working in a men's
0: match. club, I think. Like appealing to uh the the not hardcore wrestling fans.
1: So um just to uh ex- explain exactly what he does, uh in his entrance and about twenty times <laughs> throughout the match he uh he sticks his hand into his trunks jerks himself off a bit pulls his hands out and swears at the crowd that happened roughly 20 times um doesn't do a lot for me but you know <laughs> some people seem to enjoy um
0: but i thought uh he provided a real like veteran anchor in this match it could have very easily fallen apart completely but a lot of times when things weren't going completely to plan he got them back on track uh and he was like re- him and Wild War really like anchored this match and got the other two through.
1: Yeah, he's definitely he, he's definitely got a good core base. Even if I don't like the gimmick, I can ad- admit that. He's um you know, he's definitely a good hand. <laughs> uh as uh gets thrown around a lot. Um and then finally Carl no no good. he's uh, another Yeah. Um one of the Pro graduates, which is Progressors Training School. Um, he a lot of his offense I found looked really good here. Um, but when he wasn't on offense and transitioning between moves and moving around the ring, he just didn't seem quite ready for this stage mm, for me at I, this point. I'm not sure. I if think you were uh, that. he's
0: got a good look. Uh, he's got a good gimmick. A lot of people don't like it. I I do like the beard song. I like yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, he looked good in this match, uh, but he was working with Bubblegum and Wild War, who he was probably gonna be working with more regularly now in a tag team, um, who perhaps hid some of his weaknesses. But he's getting there, and give him another year. I think he'll be right alongside, uh, William Eva in terms of Projo Guy's quality.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely showed some potential here. And you, you called it in the preview. Uh, you said that this match was, uh, almost the reason for it being here, apart from to give, uh, Webster a win, uh, with an eventual title shot coming up for him, uh, was the, uh, Meltzer yep. <laughs> And, uh, lo and behold, despite, um, Ashmore and Hitchman not being a team here, it was a four way, um, they still hit this, uh, tag team move, which, um, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, it's definitely up, uh, on Lariato's Twitter account, although, so much, he gives so much, uh, you have a, I guess you'll have a bit of trouble finding it. Um, but it's, uh, Hitchman, uh, the wild boar lifts, um, I can't remember, wh- I think it was Bubblegum. Yeah, it was Bubblegum. The, um, he lifts up, uh, Bubblegum for a package power driver and holds him in midair. And then Ashmore, who is a huge guy, so you wouldn't be expecting him to do this, um, does a 450, well, 360 off the top rope, um, similar to the way the Young Bucks do on the Meltzer Driver, um, and then they, uh, well, they hit a package pile driver version of the Meltzer Driver. Oh yeah, driver. it
0: looks fantastic, um, and it—they're probably going to become a full-time team now based off of that move. So well done them for being innovative and uh, knowing what works, what pops the crowd. Uh, next match? Uh, yeah, uh, the Natural Progression Series 3 kicking off with Damien Dunn versus Sebastian of the Geezers. This was the Giesers ballroom debut. They have the video up on YouTube and, yeah, <laughs> the crowd was in love with them, basically.
1: For those of you who, uh, we, we, we touched on it on, uh, the, the last show, but the, uh, nat- Natural Progression Series is the, the, um, a, a tournament that progress is running Yearly? Right. It's
0: about yearly. Like, it's not a defined start-end date, but it's roughly yearly with the way the shows work out. I'm not sure how they're going to do it next year with more shows. But yeah.
1: But yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. say yearly. <laughs> that'll that do for now. Um, where they they showcase a lot of the, the up-and-coming and um, unfeatured talent on the, the UK scene. Um, previously, it's been kind of, a breakout platform for guys like, uh, Mark Andrews, Paul Robinson, Will Ospreay, um, in a way, Will Eva, although Zach Gibson. Yeah, too. Zach Gibson, definitely. And then, uh, despite me not being a huge fan of him, Morgan Webster, um, did win a lot of people over in his, uh, tournament showings there. Um, and this is the, the, as, uh, Ollie mentioned, this is the third, um, incarnation of this tournament. Um and this is the first match kicking off.
0: Yeah, um the entrances, fantastic for the geezers, huge pop. Uh they've done such a good job getting themselves over building the gimmick on Twitter, on YouTube, and just generally being an absolute laugh and like guys you need to follow if you're a fan of British wrestling, just to see the weird, uh, T V show gifts that they come up with the day to day Garth Marami's Dark Place, and just the, the strange but hilarious jokes that they come up with. Uh, definitely guys who are very charismatic and have, yeah, got themselves over despite not wrestling that much, which may be a negative in another area.
1: Yeah, um, as you said, I was just about to, say, about to basically echo your point, Um the fact that they've managed to get themselves over to such a huge degree without resting a single <laughs> match in front of this crowd is quite amazing, really. When you when you think about it, the uh, the amount of guys who who have good matches and yet aren't that over to the, <laughs> this team who who have haven't, haven't done anything in front of this crowd and yet uh, you, you wouldn't believe it uh, watching the uh, the pop they received for their entrances. Sadly, um, when they got in the ring, it wasn't quite as good. Yeah,
0: and I'm not gonna pin this one on Damien Dunn because he's a Midlands boy and I'm a uh adopted Midlands boy now. <laughs> so uh I've seen him in much better matches than this, let's say. But I've never seen Sebastian have like even a good he had a match with Zack Sabre Jr. that was okay, but with ZSJ, you've gotta do better than okay. Uh say what you will about the geezers, but a very strong on in the charisma department, the promo department, but uh wrestling probably needs more experience. That's something that you can't do on Twitter get better at wrestling
1: no and it, it it's disappointing really you You can't say anything other than that I mean a lot of people have the the wrestling skill and not the um and not the charisma to go alongside um at the moment. Um, both Sebastian and Tom Irvin are kind of on the other side of that, but they're, they're still, they're still relatively, um, young in their wrestling careers. So there's definitely room to improve there. And I'd say in general, if you, if you've got the charisma, the, from what I've seen, the wrestling skill is, is something that's easier to build up. Compared to some people who just have no natural charisma and mm-hmm. never I'm will
0: do. Not going to bury them here, but I'm just saying, like, uh, because that's awesome in the promos, but, um, they need more seasons. Yeah, the match was completely
2: <laughs> skippable. Uh, I
0: enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. Damien Dunn threw a nice German suplex. Sebastian, uh, again, just worked the crowd fantastically along with Tom Irvin, but, uh,. There was a spot where Dunn tried to take off the ring post and, like, I think it was, like, deliberately looking difficult so that Sebastian could get back up again and attack him. But it just, it didn't translate very well. Uh, yeah, completely skippable. Nice. Apart from the entrance, obviously.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sebastian eventually got the win with, uh, it was kind of a ripcord GTS sort of thing. A uh, GTS is what it's called. Yes. Um similar to is it Harada in Noah who who does yeah, that move?
0: Yeah it's Harada sure.
1: Um I could see maybe uh Zach showing in that uh with his uh, <laughs> yeah. time in Noah. Um uh, in some ways I was kinda of disappointed to see Sebastian advance as, you know, Damien's clearly at this point the better in the ring of the two. But on the other hand, Sebastian's Way, way more over, despite being the worst in in ring wrestler. Um, so you you can't Mm -hmm. can't complain. I kind of wish
0: they had like a full bracket of the NPS series because right now we don't know the other three matches, and they may not even have an NPS match at uh chapter twenty one. Uh.
1: No, nothing's been announced yet.
0: So they may be spreading that out over the year, like we say, with more shows. So I don't know if Tom Irvin's going to be in there. Does he even qualify now that he's had a a main roster match?
1: I think they've done that before. They've had guys who've had one or two lower-profile matches end up in the NPS. I mean,
0: they could be, but I'm trying to say they're trying to build to a Sebastian-Tom Irvin match in the final, potentially. The
1: biggest problem with that would be... You'd then have either Sebastian or Tom Irvin have to have a title match, and neither of these guys, <laughs> those guys are at all ready for that at this point. Um, but the atmosphere would probably be incredible, so it is an option. Um, I think the only other guy announced so far for the, um, Natural Progression series is, uh, Will Eva. Yeah,
0: he got the, uh, spot from Morgan Webster giving it to him.
1: That, that, he'd be a guy I'd love to see, um, go far. They're either, he's either
0: gonna win or he's gonna lose his first match due to interference and start a bigger feud.
1: That is exactly what they did last time though, so, (laughs) uh, I think they'd want to change it up a bit. Maybe not have him be the winner, but I, I'd be down with him being the winner personally.
0: We'll see with that one. Uh, moving on to the Progress Tag Team Championship match. Uh, the Sumerian Death Squad making their first defence against the Hunter Brothers uh, who were not very over when they walked in but by the time the match was over they'd won the crowd over and this was an excellent match, I thought it was the match of the night and possibly the two best matches two best, uh the, ma- the best match either team has ever had
1: I'd say in progress, definitely um there's a lot of stuff I haven't seen. Yeah, I
0: haven't seen um, too much from, from the SDS, but
1: yeah, I'm I'm sure they've had some terrific matches in WXW that um, very few uh, English speakers have seen. But um, definitely a a breakout performance for the Hunter Brothers. Um, this was kind of their re-debut in progress. They they'd been off the card cards for a, a fair amount of time. Well, the the chapter cards anyway, they'd been on the occasional um Endeavour show, which is their um their student shows. Um but uh they they really came back with a bang here. Um this was a really fast paced match. I'd almost describe it as a sprint, but it, it ended up going on for quite a long it, time. It, so I'm not sure It felt like can. it
0: went on for about twenty minutes, but I looking at the match time it was only thirteen or fourteen minutes. So Really? It was wow. surprising how short it was. It was the same same amount of time as the four way match.
1: Blimey, they that a lot of matches you, that a lot of really good matches that go um that that go long feel short. This was a great match that went short and felt long oh, yeah, somehow. Definitely.
0: And I loved the way the Hunter brothers worked this match. I, they I thought they were very very good and just the way. It seemed like there were four hunters, not two, working, and like, just the way they isolated End or Dante, I can't remember which one, in the ring, just the way they worked for double teams, the way they worked for tags, it was so good, and especially in a kind of hostile environment, an away environment, for them, to work like that, like, it was gutsy, they could have very easily just gone all spot fest, and try and wow the crowd, but instead they worked as kind of heels, And eventually, the death squad got back into the match with their strikes, using their size advantage, and, uh, like, taught the Hunter Brothers a lesson, essentially. There were some spots where, like, the Hunters just got schooled, and there was the incredible spot where, uh, End moves out of the way of, uh, Jim or Lee's splash onto the other Hunter. And, uh... I I don't know, I can't tell them apart. I obviously they I th- they look different, but I don't know which one's I which. I think
1: it was Lee. <laughs> I think it was Lee who was um, getting up for this spot. The one, Where, yeah, the one I'm with the sure. square
0: face. <laughs> uh, and he lands on his brother, and like he knows Tommy End is behind him, and he doesn't want to turn around, and he just looks like he's got the fear of the devil in him as Tommy puts like the finger gun up and everyone knows what's going to happen and he just gets his face kicked off like roundhouse kicked off and it was incredible
1: there it, it was it was almost reminiscent of um some of the early shield three way match um trios matches oh yeah
0: yeah i definitely see that in with hunters in the role of the Shoot shield
1: yeah in the way that they were almost they were kind of pre- um presented as as not the equals man to man of the death squad But the way they managed to manipulate the double teams uh, and and superior teamwork, um, they managed to to stay in it.
0: Yeah, yeah, i definitely say that. They were the better team, but they eventually just got overmatched. And that was a fun dynamic, because they were the heels, essentially, and the death squad were the faces. But that's almost a reversal of what a normal match structure would be. The finish, should we talk about? Um... We've kind of already talked about like the, the big spot that uh, the whole match is leading up to. Essentially, after that, the death squad just put away uh Jim, I believe, uh, with their big double-team moves, and got the big pop. And all, both teams kicked out with the other team's finisher, which I thought was impressive, and just built the atmosphere even more. And at the end of the match, immediate standing ovation from everyone, so that's a sign that you did a good job. <laughs>
1: One of the, the big strengths for this match for me was that in a lot of these, um, as I said, it was a, a match with a very high pace right from the beginning. But um, at no point did I really feel it It went into overkill mode.
0: Oh, yeah, it was very smartly Um
1: And yeah, I was on the edge of my seat throughout. Um, re- really fantastic tag team match. And if you're someone who... Um, who goes through and uh, cherry-picks matches from all the different streaming services you have on offer, this is definitely one to check out. Um, a lot of you uh, will be familiar with Tommy End um, at this point. Um, Michael Dante and the Hunter Brothers, not so much. Um, but this this was really all four of them at their very best, uh, and a definite recommendation.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> with some of the praises of that one. Uh we'll move on to match number five, Thunder Bastard match, the titular uh match of the show. Uh <laughs> I'll run through all the participants uh from memory. Uh there was Damon Moser, El Leguero, uh um,
1: Nathan, Nathan
0: Cruz, uh Rampage Brown, <laughs> I should really have a list up.
1: Mark Haskins.
0: Mark Haskins, Eddie Dennis, Marty Skrull and Tom, Tom Irvin, Irvin of the Geezers, we got the
1: yeah um this was the second annual Baston match i think it was about a year ago that happened mhm let's say this is a yearly thing as well although uh, uh i haven't checked that again really should have done a bit more uh, prep for this <laughs> uh, but uh let's say that's yearly um uh last year um will osbury uh came out the winner um which really helped skyrocket him into the uh the upper echelons not only of progress but also um of the the UK scene as a whole. I mean there were breakout performances over in places like Rev Pro as well, but um yeah, in terms that of that was of a big match where
0: w- it really looked like he was gonna become a future star, like just in booking terms.
1: Yeah. That was that was his big win that really Established him as one of the the big names in um, British wrestling, mm-hmm. from my point of view at least. Um, what are your
0: opinions like on the gimmick for the bastard match? Because it's essentially a Royal Rumble but with pinfall eliminations.
1: Yeah, I think I described it last month as a a cross between a Royal Rumble and an Elimination Chamber, in the fact that the the guys come out um, in a kind of gauntlet manner. But then it's pinfalls and submissions and disqualifications and um rather than over the top rope rules. Um with uh, the the last man standing of the, the eight participants earning a title shot at some point in the future. Um as a a match concept as a whole, after having seen two of these now, neither of them's really wowed me from just the standpoint of a match.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not a work rate gimmick. It's not uh can't think of a word. It it doesn't create great matches, but it is a fun gimmick, I think. Like it's a good spectacle to throw it's out. It's good
1: for advancing storylines. Um it's good for getting a lot of guys onto the card. I thought it was a good use of Tom Irvin. Oh um, yeah, definitely. Unlike like Sebastian, um earlier on, where he was kind of exposed um well, exposed is maybe a bit harsh, but um, oh, it, the it, it geezers didn't... are
0: best when they're not working a traditional match. When they're doing their act, which is an excellent act, and
1: Tom Irvin and Tom Irvin was able to come in here, be in the match for about a minute, and um, get in, get out, get over, basically. Oh,
0: yeah, get in, get out, get over. That should be a t shirt for them. <laughs> oh.
1: Claiming royalties for that. <laughs>
0: big hashtag, big Mike.
1: Yeah, yeah. Voice of the wrestling team <laughs> training t-shirts.
0: We should be getting paid all over
1: this. the shop. Um, the biggest problem is it either goes a long, long time and you get a lot of guys in the ring at once and it becomes somewhat of a clusterfuck, or you have quick eliminations. It doesn't go as long, um, but then you've got a load of quick eliminations which. You know, similar to like a, a survivor series match, you no, yeah, but... <laughs> a guy in the match for a guy in the match for two minutes, take a couple of moves. There was some and of then that in Get pinned, get pinned to a, ma- a move in regular. You would never fall to.
0: We should go uh, chronologically, uh, calling the action, calling the spots. Uh, so they started off with well before the match even began. Uh, Ali Armstrong sadly retired, uh, which led into. Yeah, that was...
1: Due to, uh, injury. Ali Armstrong was the, the first graduate of the, uh, Projo, and unfortunately, I can't remember exactly what the injury was, um, but he, uh, he put his health ahead of his wrestling career as he should, mm-hmm. and, um, for the foreseeable future, he's, uh, going to be stopping wrestling, which is unfortunate, but,
0: um. And that fed into, uh, the angle with Nathan Cruz and the Origin, uh, Cruz coming out, deliver. he's a, Excellent promo, I think. Like, very underrated. And I thought this was a good way to re-establish him as a, not top heel, but a, a high up heel and get him loathed to start the match.
1: Yeah, totally. He came out here and um, he, he, he kind of laughed at Ali for um, retiring, saying, you've only been in the business a year. Nobody cares if you're going to be retiring. You were barely in it to start with. Um, which, you know, got out, a- Ali's a very sympathetic character to start with, so that, um, really heaped the hate on, uh, mm-hmm. Nathan. Um, so then that led to a hot start when, um, straight from that interval segment, um, the, the Thunderbastard match itself kicked off, uh, as Damon, Damon Moser was out first Damon right? Damon
0: Moser, uh, he got shifted actually. Uh- or in Kayfabe, he got shifted, uh, into the role of second man to, like, teach Nathan Cruz a lesson, which kind of backfired. And <laughs> I'm gonna go into wild mass speculation here, but, uh, it almost seems like that could be a Glenn Joseph heel turn there because he would have known the, mat- the running order of the guys. This is me just overanalyzing it. He would have known what order they were coming out in, and he would have known that putting Nate, uh, Damon Moser in second would have put El Ligero out third and put him at a two and one disadvantage. So that was a bit of a dick move, however well intentioned, <laughs> to put him to put the guy at a 2 on two, one disadvantage straight away.
1: I I'd lean towards you overthink, you're <laughs> overthinking that a little, but um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean that it's clear that they do put a lot of thought into um their storylines in progress. Um. A lot of the, the seemingly insignificant, uh, intricate details um, on shows end up paying off um, far down the line, but uh, my gut is this isn't one of them. No,
0: I think I'm just overanalyzing. Uh, what did you think of Damon Moses' contributions to the match?
1: Well, he as I said, he came out hot um, as a guy to uh, kick Nathan's ass. Uh,
0: they have the, uh, the origin angle where he got kicked out. Uh, at chapter 19, like.
1: Yeah, so these two were previous stablemates. Although again,
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna overanalyze the booking and wonder why that makes Damon Moser a face if he just got kicked out of a heel group. And then, why does that make him a face? It kinda (laughs) makes
1: him similar, it's kinda similar to the, um, the way Moose has been booked in ROH. Oh yeah. Um, he, he, he's a bad guy. And then a bad guy turns on him, so he, he's automatically a good guy. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I, I kind of get the, he kind of been presented in the way that he's just kind of following orders, uh, and doesn't have much of a mind of his own. <laughs> um, cause he, I think he, I think if I'm interpreting the booking right, because with the, the faceless gimmick, uh, where everyone was masked and a mystery identity, it wasn't totally clear. But I think the storyline was that, um, Garnell and Moser won the tag titles, yeah. um, under the faceless gimmick, and then um, uh, Cruz and Liguero stole well um, usurped them for the tag titles: yeah, that's, that's once they won amount. it, um, by as they were part of the same group they once their their underlings had won them the titles, they took the titles and then kicked their underlings out of the group, so, so there, there was heat going into this. Face off, but Damon really kind of looked lost.
0: Yeah, they have. They, he hasn't had any promo time. He, ha- he has no character. He's very bland. He has no heat.
1: He ran out there, double legged Nathan, and that was like the peak of his, <laughs> his point in the match. That bit was good, and then it, it all kind of. They didn't seem to have very good chemistry together. They didn't seem to be entirely no. on the same page of what was happening, and it was it was all a bit juttery.
0: Yeah, I. He was just a sacrificial lamb really here to get uh some heat on the uh the origin when El Laguerre came out third. They double team him, they pin in Origin have the two nothing advantage over everyone else. Um
1: and then that brought out the next guy, who was Rampage Brown, if I'm remembering correctly.
0: I yeah, I think it was, because this started a uh, the portion of a match where everyone beats up the origin. Like they make the origin look really strong and then five minutes later. Make him look really weak by getting power bombed by uh Rampage Brown, uh, which is yeah. kind of like a microcosm of their faceless run.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rampage Brown is someone who's been throughout the history of Progress but very strongly, but it, he wasn't a two-in-one situation and managed to to dominate both of them. Um, there there was next out was Mark Haskins. Um, so that. That, uh, had a, there was a lot of history in the ring yeah, at that point. You had screw indie three wrestling members guys. of Team Screw Indie Wrestling, yeah, Um, in Haskins, Cruz, and Brown. Uh, so there, there's a lot of history between all four, uh, all three guys there. Uh, and it was also pointed out something that I didn't re- realize immediately. And, uh, with you seeing the non commentary version, I'm not sure if you realized that, but at that point in the ring, you had, um, the, the initial three champions of progress, all in the ring at one time.
0: Was Haskins ever the champion?
1: Uh, uh Ligero, uh, what, oh yeah, Rampage Pr- Brown, Cruz, yeah. Ligero, Rampage Brown. Brown.
0: Yeah, yeah. I no, I didn't notice that, but yeah. And also, I didn't watch it with commentary. We should probably talk about that after the Thunder Bastard match, uh, what the difference between commentary was, but we'll get through this match first. Uh, out yep. sixth was Eddie Dennis, uh, Cool theme tune and beat up the origin and then kind of disappeared for the rest of the match.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of um, guys coming in, hitting a few moves and then grabbing someone else, pulling them out the ring, and you're not really <laughs> seeing them until till it was their time to get yeah. eliminated.
0: The, the the match kind of bottomed out until Tom Irvin came in. Seventh was girl who did kind of the same thing. 8th Tom and we've already talked about just the incredibly entertaining sequence where he his the music hits, he comes out with Sebastian, downs a pint, runs to the ring, hits a weak looking stunner on everyone, and uh gets rolled up. Oh no, he rolls up El Liguero to eliminate him and then gets kicked in the head by Cruz and gets eliminated himself all within about a minute. And it was a very fun sequence.
1: Again, um a weird case of strong and weak booking for uh, the Origin as a whole. They don't seem entirely sure whether they want to push this group or not. Um, I think eventually they're just going to settle in the mid-card uh, for something for the faces to do who aren't in the title picture, which, you know, there's worse worse uses for those guys. Um, but initially it did seem they were set up for something a bit bigger than that.
0: Yeah. I think with the faceless it seemed more like a show-changing angle, and then they just kind of lost faith in it, and this is the backup plan, almost. And yeah, it was very schizophrenic at booking in this match for them.
1: I'm not, I'm not too, um, too opposed to that, really, because while Liguero and Cruz are good, there are, there are, there are several other guys I'm more interested in seeing in main events. I mean, they're good, good mid, good guys to have in the mid-card, mid-card. um, having good matches, but um, they have had time on top in the past, and they're they're truly great matches, kind of few and far between.
0: Yeah, I think they're gonna be getting set up for a second uh, tag title match with the SDS at some point. Uh, I think that will be their ceiling for now.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that.
0: Um, moving on with this match uh, after. Tom Irving got eliminated. The elimination started to come a bit faster. I think it's so long. I think it...
1: Dennis was next.
0: Was I think Dennis... Rampage Brown got eliminated by De- no Dennis eliminated Rampage Brown. Yeah, yeah. After they had a little sequence and with then the, uh, Cruise... next driver. Yeah, and then Cruz eliminated Dennis soon afterwards.
1: Yes, yes. Again with a kick to the head. So uh, again, now it's the origins turn to be booked strong at this point. <laughs>
0: And I, does that leave us with the final three? It was uh
1: Cruz, Cruz,
0: Haskins, Haskins, and Skull. Girl. I think this was when the match really picked up and started showing some promise. I think uh Cruz, with his pre-match promo, really earned himself some heat, and going against two uh very over guys like Haskins and Skull, I thought it was a good dynamic. Eventually, I believe it was Haskins who picked up the pin on Cruz, although it very could very well have been Marthy. <laughs> um, I should have look, uh, looked up the, the results of this I've match before. I've
1: got a feeling. I've got a feeling. Um, I've got a feeling it was Skull actually, but
0: I'm gonna look up the uh, results page because <laughs> right. we're stumbling in the dark here. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was Skull rolling up Nathan Cruz to get us to the final two with Skull vs Haskins. They had a very uh entertaining few minutes of back and forth, uh, which pretty much uh made up the like the the work rate portion of the match. Like good yeah. dueling chance and eventually it... Haskins rolling up Skull for the win.
1: This this last little segment was definitely the highlight of the match. Yeah. Um it got me excited for a future Skull Haskins match, which uh it's actually happening, uh, not too long in Rev Pro. We're gonna be covering that later in this episode. Um, but, uh, these two definitely meshed well together. Um, they both got a kind of, uh, technical and high flying hybrid going about for both of them. Both of them used to be, um, almost exclusively high flyers and, uh, since added more of a, a technical side to yeah, their game. Yeah, but very like similar.
0: style. Not just in look, but in career path as well. Um, yeah a lot of parallels, but yeah this is a very entertaining section, and I think haskins winning i think we predicted this on the last show as well um but that's definitely the right choice moving i'm not
1: sh- I'm not sure we actually predicted it I think a lot of us said um Cruz would be the guy oh, okay. likely to win, but haskins was the guy who wanted to win, so uh I was overjoyed when i uh when I saw this um and i, th- I, I saw- think it gives
0: both guys good direction heading forward. I think Haskins is the perfect uh first defence for the new progress champion. We'll get to that in a moment. And Marty Skull now is almost like the bridesmaid of progress now that he uh, l- has lost the final two of both of matches. Uh He's lost two title defences early on. He got the semi-final in the tournament but didn't advance further. And I think they're really starting to sell this now as a a story, an ongoing story for Skrull, in that he's a close and nearly a man, but not quite the guy, because uh they they mentioned all that in his like profile, building up his match at chapter twenty one. So this could definitely be a feature direction for him.
1: Yeah, that that's what I'm thinking. Um. Skull um his character at the moment is kind of hovering weirdly because in Name it's the villain and uh over in Rev Pro he's working a similar character but it's more um you know he's at head of a stable of heels and he does a lot of cheating mm-hmm. while in Progress um he's he's working the same gimmick but doing it as a face kind of yeah he's um, got a
0: weird dynamic he's very over he's not doing anything to cheat or anything almost like I think large, almost like an anti hero
1: i think a large part of it is that there wasn't space for him over on the heel side with um yeah. jimmy havoc's um you know his his heel faction and persona being so overbearing the whole promotion um but now with havoc the the potential for him to be tra- either transitioning away from progress briefly into maybe um I don't I, I'm not entirely sure, but after so long being champion and in the main event, I can there there's definitely a space for um to Skull for Skull to go here. And with him going on this coming close over and over and over again, I can see Skull being turned full heel um and him being an upcoming challenger eventually, um, with a full blown out feud with um Osprey. Definitely,
0: I was thinking more along the lines of a sympathetic babyface, like a. Uh, finally, he gets over the hump and c- could be the next. I'm thinking long term here, and the next progress champion, like he's the guy who gets a win. I'm not sure how that would work against Osprey, but. Yeah, either heel or face, the character could work.
1: There are definitely routes for him to go, and while um going into this match uh, I think we both said that Skull's character was kind of kind of floundering weirdly enough in this uh, even though we didn't win this match uh, he came second again same as last year um there's definitely a lot of interesting directions for him to go in
0: yeah i would agree with that um before we get to the main event do we want to talk about no commentary versus commentary well if
1: we just um quickly um we talked a lot about Skull, but we haven't, um, talked too much about Haskins oh, actually yeah, yeah, uh, getting the win here. Um, um, Haskins, for me, perfect guy to win this and go on to, uh, be the first challenger for Will Ospreay. Um, he's, he's not a guy who particularly needs a huge storyline going in. Um, he's just, he's a guy I'm very confident is gonna go in there, have a match with Will, with not a huge amount of build up and still blow people away um Haskins recently um across the UK really um has really seemed to be transitioned back into um a very featured spot while um maybe 6 months ago he was he was still like used and um prominent but um both in Rev Pro and, uh, Progress now, he's, um, getting main events, getting a lot more of the spotlight, and as a big fan of his, I, I, I can't approve more, really. Yeah, I think he's really turned
0: up this year. I, uh, he's impressed the hell out of me, and Osprey vs. Haskins at Chapter 21 is definitely the highlight of that show. Uh,
1: so, last of all, uh, but definitely not least, was, uh, the main event of this uh, chapter um which was the the big one uh it was i think it's i think we agreed it was fair to say um last month that this is the biggest well this was the biggest match in progress history yeah definitely and um that's jimmy havoc uh defending against uh defending his progress championship, which is held for I think it's nearly two years now, or is it past two years?
0: Um, well, 600, over 600 days, 608, over 600 I think was days. the final number. I think it was
1: slightly under two years, but uh, a very lengthy reign, longer than all the other progress champions combined, um, against Will Ospreay, um, in a match that really has been building for at least a year and a half if not more. Mm
0: -hmm. But you couldn't have watched this match in a vacuum and fully appreciated it. Like, you need the build, you need to have seen it over the year, or at least over this year, uh, to really appreciate it.
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, This was a match that if you did watch it in a vacuum, it would... (laughs) I could see someone not enjoying it at all. Yeah,
0: this... You... Definitely you would have needed to watch at least their chapter 17 match, because this is almost like a direct continuation on from that, with, ha- with Osprey having taken, like, a level in badass by winning the super strong style tournament. I, like, the whole, the whole story, it has built itself, essentially, like, they've done a fantastic job of making it all very logical, and even if it was a little bit predictable that Osprey would win here, it was a very satisfying conclusion. Um Should
2: we run through the match? There's a lot to go through. (laughs) um, It was
0: very difficult writing up the review for this one, because there was just so much that happened, uh, start at the beginning, I guess. Um, the entrances, they were pretty fun. Both guys got special entrances, made it feel like a big time match. The stare down was intense, very well captured. And then all all hell broke loose. Uh, Within the first twenty seconds, Osprey was diving out of a ring over the top rope, chucking havoc to the back of the room, throwing his head against the wall, putting each other through tables. And, like in the first five minutes, there was a burning hammer onto the chair. <laughs> a lot of stuff happened in this match.
1: That they, they went, they went way over the top. There's no way to to really yeah. say anything other than that. But this was. The feud ender to end all feud enders, and in some ways it kind of had to. Yeah, it was
0: anything less. It was definitely a match
1: less. that put a definitive full stop on this feud. Um, they went over the top. They had they had tons of ref bumps. I think there were at least three. Well, no, they weren't
0: ref bumps per se. They were Jimmy Havoc taking out the ref deliberately. Ref bump would be an accidental.
1: Yeah. Bump. <laughs> um, there were there was interference. There was. A million k- finisher kickouts, <laughs> thumbtacks, table spots—all in the first few minutes. But if you followed this feud and and you're invested, this one really worked. And
0: it it was almost like the spots were logical. Like, of course, the referees had to be taken out by Havoc for Jim Smallman to count the pin, just like he had done to give Havoc the title initially. That that made sense. Um. Uh, the the finisher kickouts I thought there was, was one too many. He uh, osprey kicks out of three acid rainmakers and uh, just as a from a purist standpoint, no one has ever even kicked out of two, so that seemed like overkill. I would have accepted two kickouts. Three was just one too many. I think.
1: Mm, the the big that didn't necessarily annoy me a huge amount. I mean, as I said. There's a part of me that's saying, "Oh, they did too much. They yeah. went over the top." <laughs> but, but the thing that really um, took this match down a notch for me was the axe spot. Uh, we talked a bit about it um, last last month, um, where uh, Havoc set up this match, turning it into a DQ by uh, holding holding uh, Ransom Osprey by threatening to cut off his head if he didn't get the no DQ match. The axe was then brought back into this match and while previously I'd I'd made the argument that it was okay because um, Havoc's character never actually intended to uh, use the axe he was yeah. just using it as leverage that's the way I justified it in my mind in this match it was very clear that Havoc was actually just going to use the axe and for me that kind of it kind of shatters the world of wrestling. I can't hold my... A little bit, yeah. That.
0: I'm because not as if you're, down if, on it if as you If you're more.
1: bringing things like Axe's into no-DQ matches, then it, it opens up the door to... Why don't... Doesn't when... um Maybe not in the UK, but in the US. As soon as there's a no-DQ match, someone just pull out a gun shoot shoot his opponent. The yeah, win. it does open I up mean,
0: the Pandora's box a little bit. Um, I, I wasn't too down on it. Um... Simply because it looked cool. I don't know. Watching it live, you just kind of accept it and move on.
1: I never personally like a weapon that's brought into a match when there's no chance it can ever be used, and that's that's what this axe was. That that's kind of my line. Yeah.
0: At least it had a build up. Like at least it was established that Havoc had an axe and liked using it.
2: <laughs> well cuz I I've
0: seen matches on the Indi- on British indies before where they've just whipped out a weapon like an axe or like a staple gun or a- something like that and it's just like oh these guys have never even like talked before and now they're trying to kill each other.
1: It was a story point which kind of cushioned the blow but I it it did take me out of it for a little bit. Mm. Um which was a shame because other than that I really enjoyed this match.
0: Yeah, you wanna. I want to be grumpy about it, but, you, like, certainly live, I just couldn't be grumpy because it was such an awesome spectacle. It was a progress car crash main event, I like to call them, where it's just like, this is the last match that we're going to have, so let's just go throw all out, everything. throw in everything.
1: Yeah. It was the perfect, you know, it, it perfectly wrapped a bow on this entire, not just feud, but this entire era of... Progress with Jimmy Havoc Mm as champion, and the craziness that had um, ensued during his whole reign—it kind of had to end like this. Yeah, it's a logical Um, conclusion. While I'm not like, I don't think Will really shines to his full degree in No DQ matches, from what I've seen, and these wild matches, I prefer—I personally prefer them in the, um, you know, a more traditional match. It—it was what needed to happen here. and and in that way, it delivered. It's not something I'm going to recommend for someone to check out if they just go through and cherry-pick out a few matches, because as I said, in a vacuum, this could very easily be viewed as not just not a good match, but as a bad match. But when you've watched the whole storyline and you're invested, this works.
0: Yeah, and when it came to the end, Osprey hits all his signature moves like, killing Havoc with everything he had, including the 630, which he hadn't been able to hit. That was a story point that they delivered on. Like, they, ra- they wrapped up two sub-stories to the Jimmy Havoc story. They wrapped up the Jimmy Havoc title reign, but they also wrapped up Osprey's uh indecisiveness to using his 630 sent-on finisher, and they wrapped up Jim Smallman feeling guilty that he'd let Havoc win the title in the first place by taking it away from him u- by counting the pin. And I thought that was just very clever storytelling to tie those two loose ends up,
1: yep, so that's the um the end of our supposedly quick rundown <laughs> of that show um uh the the one other thing we wanted to bring up was uh this show was actually up in um two different forms um one with commentary and one without um you got the the live experience, which is obviously without commentary, but I think you said you also rewatched, I re-watched it it commentary. I it without
0: commentary when they first uploaded it.
1: And, um, yeah. <laughs> for reference, for reference here, they, um, they had, uh, for the first time they recorded live the commentary, but, uh, unfortunately they had some issues, um, with file corrupting, I think they said it was. They had to, um, re-record, uh, the commentary so that, they they initially put it up on their uh, streaming service without commentary, and then um, later on they put it on with commentary. Um, the two new commentators were uh, R. J. Singh, who's um, a few a few months ago, maybe a bit longer than a few months now. More like but, a year um, Yeah, more like a year. Um, retired from uh, the wrestling scene um, in having his final match at Progress itself um who was very much a a big part of the uh the scene for years before that. Um and who's this one? Joel Ledley or John Briley? I can't remember.
0: Uh Glenn Joseph.
1: Glen Joseph, there you go. Neither of them. <laughs> right. The and and he was partnered with Glenn Joseph, um, one of the Progress co owners. Um they they kind of had a hard job to follow. Um Previously, the commentary had been done by Jimmy Barnett, who was in no way at all related <laughs> to Progress um, co-owner Jim Smallman, uh, apart from being the exact same person. Um, but, uh, who, who and he'd previously been a fantastic commentator. Yeah, very good um, with the
0: minimalist style, which uh, I really dug. He
1: His commentary style kind of reminded me of Excaliburs from PWG. Um, maybe with a more, uh, focused manner. <laughs> that kind of sounds like an insult to Excalibur. But I love Excalibur's commentary. Um, but more of a, um, more of a kayfabe and focused style, but that, that kind of aura. But, uh, I think these two guys, um, they did a good job. Um, they were definitely talking more than, um, Barnett. Okay. Um, he, they, uh, there wasn't a lot of, while Barnett would often let, um, let, let the action speak for itself and the crowd, being such a fantastic crowd, um, uh, carry the, the, uh, the audio, um, they, I guess to be expected with a two man team, they, they were speaking far more constantly. Um, I'm not sure if I preferred it, but at the same time, I think they did do a good job, um, and going forward it may take a bit of time getting used to but um while they they're following something very good i think they they were they were good yeah i'm looking forward to
0: good. hearing their live recording i think that will be an interesting thing to see how well they work with the crowd with the atmosphere right in front of them
1: yeah because that emotion wise that's often something that um you know if you're Recording on tape delay, it's hard to get the emotion yeah. across. Right, so uh, I think that's uh, chapter 20 wrapped up. So um, if we move along to some of the progress news that has come out between shows. Um, and the biggest uh, news, I'm not quite sure if uh, it fully come out when we uh, last recorded. I don't think so, actually. But Progress, uh, is going to be starting to run Manchester shows, um, expanding out of their, uh, London base, um, so, so for, for those not, um, too familiar with UK geography, um, London's down near the bottom, um, down south, and, uh, Manchester's, uh, pretty, pretty far up north, um, to put it simply, so they're, they're they're covering a lot of the the UK, um, and they're they're making quite the big jump. Mm. Especially importantly, a, a, a I think
0: U- Manchester doesn't really have a big wrestling promotion in it, so they picked a a good city to spread to and not like invade someone else's territory.
1: Yeah, and um, impressively, despite running on the at the other end of the country, um, they they still managed to. They've sold out, haven't they? Or are they near selling I out?
0: I think they've sold out. Yeah. Um. They might still have some standing tickets left. I'm not sure, but
1: they uh certainly they all seated. Out, they they definitely sold out the the initial um batch they put out. But I think they released some more tickets. But they're probably sold out as well now, knowing progress. Um. And um, these added Manchester shows, um, along with what's going to be an increased rate of running the london shows mean that um progress's calendar uh, for the rest of the year and then going into 2016 is going to be a lot fuller mm-hmm. uh, a lot more full i think
0: it's That's 17 fair. chapter shows in total
1: yeah by the end of um we're on chapter 20 that was we just went through and um by the end of 2016 uh December eleventh is going to be chapter forty.
0: Mm, so they're, they're having nearly as many shows in one year as they've had in the run so far.
1: And uh, added to that, they're well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll just run through it all. Um, they're running a, a London chapter show every six weeks, um, up from every two months. Uh, and added to that, they're also running a Manchester show once every two months. Okay. Um. They're also going to be keep running their endeavor shows, which are their student run shows every two months, alternating with the Manchester shows and they're also adding a new type of show um called potential um when you throw in some festival shows which uh, I'm sure they're gonna be um running as they have in the past few years uh and that uh they're also going to be running the super strong style sixteen again next year, which will be a double header uh it's like Uh, and likely that uh, more potential shows that are yet to be announced uh, will be announced close to the time. Uh, It's probably... Progress is probably going to be running about 30 shows next year, which uh, in 2014, they only ran 16, so that's uh, nearly double. Mm. And then go back another year, back to 2013, they only ran 8. So uh, it's quite the jump, and it really shows how much Progress is growing. It's a
0: big expansion, uh, but clearly they think, with the incredible ticket sales they're having, that they can run it, and I'm sure that they can. Uh, The potential shows, uh, that's (laughs) PTNTL, the new type of show, not just feature shows, Um, they're essentially exclusively Projo guys, Projo graduates and Projo trainees working those shows, and it's something like £5 a ticket, so it's very cheap, Um, giving those guys experience. um...
1: Yeah, the Endeavour shows were originally designed to give work and practice in front of crowds to the rookies coming out of the Projo. Um, however, lots of the guys that, uh, made it out of there are no longer really rookies anymore by this point. Uh, and several of them are at the point in their careers where they, they're, they're beyond the, the school show level. Um, they're, they're getting booked around the country just on merit now, not just because they trained at the place and that gets them work. Um, and while some, <coughs> and while some guys didn't shine in their main show outings uh in the natural progression series uh, there are some guys that are coming out of the projo um are now on a level where they're getting onto the main shows purely on merit uh like will Eva, um he he's a guy who's now i think it's fair to say he's a regular on the main shows um and he's, he's definitely earned his way on there it's not just because he trained there um if that was almost any other UK company, they'd, they'd probably simply move on up and have main shows full-time. But the problem with progress is they already have a pretty huge pool of, pool of talent uh, that they they draw from across the country. It's a good country. Problem to have. <laughs> it is. Um, and we kind of mentioned that early. Um, and they already can't get all of them onto the shows. Uh, even, even guys that have come up through the Projo who are great, like Eva... Until recently, they weren't quite getting booked on every show because the, um, the roster was just so loaded. And guys like Joey Lakeside, who are, they're good enough to be an undercarder and midcarder in most UK promotions. They're not getting a sniff on the Progress main show just because of how, how loaded the roster is because they're drawing from the very best from across the whole UK, whole of the UK, and the UK seems pretty hot right now. Um, however, that leaves, um, the current guys in Endeavour no room, that's no, sorry, however, leaving the current guys in endeavor leaves no room for the newer actual rookies coming out of the projo um which was the initial intention of endeavor, so uh the regular route taken by progress would be to let their trainees spread their wings and try and improve, so their level of wrestling and name is where they can become progress regulars um which to a degree is what they're doing. Eva's now working. FPW, SCW, Kamikaze, TCW, places like that. Um, but uh, Progress still wants to give their own guys work. They, they've got kind of a family atmosphere with many of their trainers, from what I've seen anyway. Um, so they're launching a third tier of shows called Potential, which is going to be below Endeavor, and it will serve to be the real rookie show for their yes. guys that are coming out of the Pro Then Endeavor's the in-between level, so the guys that are no longer really rookies but they're not the very top guys in the UK scene yet um and as such can't get onto the progress main chapter shows um and then, and then obviously you've got the chapter shows right at the top um which are really the meat of the um the, the progress universe
0: mhm i think the restructuring of these shows is- It'll streamline the talent pool a little bit better. It'll give guys who they haven't booked in a while a place to go to with Endeavour with potential. That's a really good chance for their own Projo guys to get experience in front of the crowd, whereas in Endeavour they may not have had room. And then of course in Manchester shows that's just a whole different kettle of fish. That's a a whole new crowd that they're gonna be able to uh uh like influence and spread to. And the guys in the north who they may not be able to book, they can now book. So guys like, I don't know, Martin Kirby, or the Midlands guys who I <laughs> keep uh, going on about, like, they can now get onto the Manchester show much easier. And you might even see guys working Manchester shows exclusively. So more established stars like Bubblegum, Zach Gibson in the north, uh, yeah, I... get get better pull there.
1: I could see them even Pulling some of the uh, the great Scottish talent, which is yeah. emerged recently, like guys like Joe Kofi and um, yeah, Hendry and people like that. Like ICW's got a pretty great roster, and it's it's a long way for um, a lot of the Scottish guys to come down all the way to London. But uh, being in Manchester, that's kind of cut it in half for many of the guys. So um, it's definitely opened the doors up for for even more guys with. Uh, we were talking about the uh, so-called problem of um, having two stacked a roster. Well, this might worsen with uh, inverted comments, uh, inverted commas, uh, that problem. Um, but again, that's a nice problem to have.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to see uh, how it all works. Uh, should we move on to Chapter 21 now? Previewing yep, that?
1: So, Chapter 21, um, you got the date for that? I uh,
0: September really the 6th.
1: Yeah, so September 26th, sorry, September 6th uh, sees uh, Progress return for their the next chapter show. Um, as we mentioned earlier, they're now running them with a quicker turnaround. Uh, usually it wouldn't be at least to the end of this month that you're seeing um, the next chapter show, but it's the beginning now of this month and it's uh, already time for another London show. Uh, it's going by the name of uh, you know we don't want to use the sit-down gun, maybe as a, a live, a guy who's uh, attended several progress shows live, you can elaborate on that. Um,
0: Generally, when people stand up, everyone behind them gets very, very pissy and tells them to sit down. <laughs> uh, but it's a, a reference to a very, very obscure Australian show that I, even I've never seen before, and I enjoy my obscure comedies, so make about what you will.
1: Oh. I thought, I thought they might have actually had a gun they fired at people. No. To make no, them sit down. They might get one for the show. <laughs> I'm almost disappointed.
0: <laughs> no, it, it's from a show called Danger 5 or Danger 7 or something like that. And there's this bird guy. I've never seen the show. <laughs> um, I want to though. It looks, looks quirky, quirky and very cool.
1: Yeah, progress should get some royalties for, uh, from that show. We, uh, gonna get some groundswell there. Right, so, uh, there's currently five matches, I think, announced for that show. Uh, yeah. Um,
0: probably one to, more at least to come.
1: Yeah. Um, and, um, you're seeing the. There's, there's only, um, how many guys have they got announced so far? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh, wow. Only twelve guys, guys. Um, announced for this show so far. And as. As a result of that, there's a lot of guys who are considered regulars um, who just aren't on the show, and even with this one extra match, unless it's some 10 versus 10 tag, simply aren't going to get on. Um, I think this so is this a thing-
0: consequence of uh, going monthly. You're just going to have shows where not everyone is on, and they'll cycle the roster a lot more.
1: And... I'm fine with that personally yeah like, definitely it, it it helps people from not getting stale um guys like The very very top guys like your your Ospreys and your your haskins and probably your havocs are gonna be on every show um even though havoc isn't hasn't got announced anything yet I, I can see him having showing up in some way or another I, I kind of hope there.
0: they announce a Jimmy havoc speaks segment just so he's on the show and like booked. Because I don't wanna I don't wanna have to know that he's gonna come out at the end or to spoil the main event or whatever. Um, like I'm... having not been announced. If he's announced there's less likelihood of him showing up at the end and he's gonna have a more firm part of the show, I guess, rather than knowing ahead of time that he's gonna come out at the end.
1: I can't see him going strip. the the, the Osprey Havoc feud seems so finished me. Like, I can't see him interfering there. I mean, they could have him go away for a bit. That is an option. Yeah. He's just lost a hell of a match. It it would almost make sense for him to go away for a few shows. But Havoc is so synonymous with progress by now, I'm not sure they'd do it. They could have him maybe stay away till the Manchester show to have, you know, to make that Manchester show the debut in Manchester feel all the more special. But who knows? Mm. I'm, I'm intrigued. So if we uh, go to the, the first first match here.
0: Okay, Jack Gallagher versus Pastor William Eva. Uh, another singles match for Eva, but isn't Natural Progression series. So he's getting a strong build here, and Gallagher's definitely a guy he can beat. Uh What do you think of Jack Gallagher?
1: I think... I'm not 100% sure on this. Um, my memory's not brilliant, but I think I've only ever seen him in one match, and that was against Haskins at the Super Strong Style 16. Yeah. It was Haskins, right? He didn't wow me too much there, but I've been told by friends who have seen more of him that he is good. So, um...
0: Yeah, I'd just have to take their word he, for it, I guess.
1: If he couldn't impress against Haskins, I'm hesitant. Oh, if that uh, was
0: the uh, like the second match of the tournament. It
1: was short. It was. It, was, it yeah. wasn't
0: given a chance to succeed, basically. So he might I mean, get more of a he's chance. He's in today. there
1: with. Yeah, he's in there with even now another guy I like he could very well deliver here and gain a new fan in me, but if he doesn't deliver here, mm, I'll. I'll I'll uh, begin to
0: build yeah. a grudge
1: against him, similar to the way I have with Webster. Yeah, he's got to he's
0: got to <laughs> impress her, I think. Um,
1: um, I imagine this will be the opener, and you know, um, I'm always into an Eva match, so I can't complain too much.
0: Okay, uh, moving on to the Origin versus the London Riots. Uh, pretty big tag team clash, like two probably the two most established teams in progress. Uh. Possibly a number one contenders match, although that hasn't been announced. It could be one in theory. Uh, what do you see happening here?
1: Um, I'm I'm a big London Riots fan. Um, so at the very least, I expect it to be a, a good match. Um, I'm not nuts about the origin in terms of in ring, but um, the London Riots have good matches with everyone. Um, they're big guys who just have interesting brawls. Yeah. A lot of brawls I'm not into, but the riots managed to have them that captivate me. Yeah, they're very good at the woman um, style. They they're booked very strong. Um I think they've only ever lost one match in Progress and that was an eight man um where they were exiled from Progress. Um can you think of anywhere else they've lost? Um they lost a sing one of them lost a singles match to Danny Garnell. As a team, I think they've only lost one.
0: Did they lose, um, like that eight way, the four, the four four team tag team match on the YouTube, the YouTube chapter show? I think they might have lost that one or they might have won it. I
1: thought they won that to, um, get the shot at FSU.
0: Okay, they won that then. (laughs) I don't know.
1: But either way, they've been booked very strong. Yeah. But, as you said, the winner of this does seem set up. To get a tag title match, and also and the, the origin team there would be the origin to get that match.
0: Also, the origin need a strong victory. Like if they beat the riots, that would put them over big time as a threat. Because as we said, their booking has been very up and down. Like even just in the like the two chapters they've even existed, they've looked very strong and very weak almost simultaneously. So I think if they give them a win, give them something to sink their teeth into, give them something to brag about.
1: Yeah. Um. In terms of what I think would be the logical thing to do, the origins should win here. But what I'd be more into would probably be the London riots winning because the riots versus the Death Squad in progress sounds fantastic. That could
0: main event a show. I mean,
1: that could very easily main main event a show. You're quite right. Um. They they have faced off before. Um. I think they've got a a YouTube match from. um, Southside up on, on YouTube. Okay. Um, but um, just with the progress atmosphere, that would be uh, fantastic. Um, I'm sure that will happen at some point down the line. I don't think they're going to set it up here, but who knows?
0: Uh, the, the third match for return of Zach Gibson, Liverpool's number one, versus yes. Eddie Dennis.
1: Zach Gibson, they've really chosen the two best places to run their shows, he <laughs> needs to get over the heel. Yeah, um, he he uh, has a Liverpool football fan gimmick, which of course gets uh, hugely over with a face for me as a, <laughs> a supporter um, myself. But um, to the majority of people, um, especially in London um, and Manchester, where they have a lot of their big rivalries, um, he is over huge as a heel. Um, it's not something that translates. Well, I can't imagine it translates brilliantly to um mm. You probably have to have like but...
0: a New England Patriots gimmick in America, or Dallas Cowboys, or something. I'm not but sure. But in, in the
1: UK, it just works, especially in London. And I imagine it's going to be even more oh, yeah. over in Manchester. It's going to be
0: fantastic. Um Gibson is a great wrestler. He's not just a gimmick guy. He's like very. He's a very big guy, but he can also work on the ground. He can work power. He's very charismatic. He works the gimmick great. He works in spots that involve the gimmick. So, like, when Gerard slipped, he did the slip, like, on his next match. <laughs> Stuff that like that. That was
1: brilliant. Just... As, ma- as much as that made me cry, that was brilliant. <laughs> <crazy. laughs> um, it's kind of a lazy comparison, not just because of the name, but he does remind me a lot of Zack Sabre Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. I loved that match at uh, Super Strong Style. It was a the first first know. round match, and so well. yeah, and with Gibson's like little injury, like he had a broken finger, so he played that up before the match, and then
1: and then Saber was like, "Well, I I don't need <laughs> to target your finger to win. I'm just better than you," and that was.
0: <laughs> and then he did it anyway. That was great.
1: <laughs> the um, Dennis is a guy. I'm just met on him, like I'm indifferent. I he. He's fine. I he produces yeah. good matches, but I'm yet to see him be great in any way.
0: I I don't think he's found himself in a singles act in progress yet. I've I've seen him singles elsewhere before, and he's been better than he's been in his singles matches in progress. He seems a little lost on his own without Mark Andrews in progress, because that was the like their gimmick was so big, a big part of the tag team division. If they were the yeah, tag team champions yeah. for a long time, and now he's just sort of wallowing in the mid-card, not doing anything, and he needs to find something to sink his teeth into again.
1: I think maybe part of what doesn't help him, weirdly as this sound, is that he is one of the few guys booked on every single show. Yeah, he needs a break
0: in the worst way.
1: And if he just went away for a, a little bit and then came back with some purpose, something to do, that would really reinvigorate him mm-hmm. because he's he as you said he's just been floating since um f s u which was him and andrews um split up right so then on to the uh fourth match that's been announced uh
0: the return match for Chris Travis in progress versus Marty girl, and it's great to see Chris Travis back from uh his cancer uh he's fully recovered now and he redebuted in p c w in July, i think it was. And, uh, by all accounts, he looked very good, like, fully back into match shape, which is excellent.
1: And. Almost shockingly quickly. Oh, well. yeah, it's definitely. Amazing how quick he's come back from, like, <laughs> you know, cancer, that's, that's like, a pretty huge injury. <laughs> a life-threatening
0: <laughs> illness, and <laughs> yeah. he's back in the ring eight months later. It's pretty impressive.
1: It's amazing. And, um, Chris is really a guy who, just before he went out injured, he was really a guy just bobbling under the surface, about to really, really break nice. out as a top guy in the UK scene. And he's, brilli- luckily, he seems to have been put straight back into that, that echelon. Maybe it's almost, I mean, obviously, it sounds like they're exploiting the symph- sym- sympathy, but that's, you know, obvious thing to do. Yeah, he's getting there. The, people already loved him, but even more reason to now um he's going to be hugely over with as a face definitely um and i'm just really looking forward to this match because oh, yeah. he's really good these two will it's have great not, chemistry it's not it's not just the um the 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 great story of him making a return this chris is really really good
0: oh yeah definitely like uh he was a guy on the verge of breaking out just when uh cancer hit him it was a really bad timing uh, but luckily he seems to have not had his uh, athleticism affected by it. Obviously a lot of hard work has gone into maintaining his physique, maintaining his skill, and uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a great return match. I think uh, he's going to be a feature guy moving forward, and he could very easily beat Skrull here.
1: I think I think perhaps he does beat Skrull here, and that's the em- emphasis for the Skrull heel turn, you you said you might see him going on a babyface losing streak. But I think perhaps he loses here, gets frustrated, attra- attacks um, Travis. Oh yeah, that what, would be better. A what better way to get over major a, a heel, heel heat. now yeah. than attacking someone who's just made his return from cancer? I mean, it it, it almost writes itself. It's too easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's definitely something to watch out for. Yeah. Uh moving on to the final announced match on the card so far. The Progress Championship, defended by Will Ospreay versus Mark Haskins, set up from the chapter twenty and the Thunder Blasted match. Haskins cashing in his title shot straight away, uh, to set up his main event. I think this'll just be a fantastic match, uh to put Osprey over in his first defense.
1: Yeah. Um not a lot of storyline going into this one, but it's just you know, two for me. Two of the the three best guys on the UK indie scene just having a match in a main event <laughs> for a big title—it's yeah. gonna be great. Um, Pro, yeah,
0: progress can sometimes get in the way of themselves with the booking and like trying to make everything a story. And sometimes it's nice to just have a match, a really awesome match.
1: And th- this is almost the perfect two two guys to just have a match together um, because. While with a guy like Jimmy Havoc really lends himself to these long, intricate storylines, these two guys are just two guys who can go in there, have a match without any gimmicks, um, and just tell a story within the match and deliver. Um, you know, if you, for me, Osprey, Haskins, and, um, Sabre Jr. are the three guys I really look forward to most on the UK indie scene. So this is, Somewhat of a dream match for me. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine it has happened somewhere in the UK over the last few years, but I don't think I've seen it. Um so I'm I'm hyped for it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've never seen these two face off before, so yeah, definitely. Both very hyped.
1: So uh overall that, that card is is looking good for me. It's um, looking
0: good for a show that isn't massively important in the grand scheme of things.
1: No, there's not a lot of storyline stuff. Um, there's a little bit behind the origin, and the riots. Uh, I'm not sure we mentioned that, but um, on one of the download shows, um, the origin put the riots through the table, but that, I don't think there was any real reason for that. That was just to set up the match. Yeah. Um, but um, the the free thir- first three matches we mentioned. Um, that I'm not crazy about them, but I imagine they'll all be good. Um, but those last two, Travis and Skrull. And Osprey and Haskins, um, they just, are, I can't imagine them <laughs> not being fantastic. Yeah, um, looking forward to it a lot. And there'll, there'll probably be another match thrown in there. Um, if you follow progress on Twitter, they'll probably announce that on Monday. There's also the intrigue of um, what's Havoc going to do, if he's there at all. So, yeah, a show I'm looking forward to. And um, a show I'm sure you'll have a review up on the site. Uh,
0: for? Yeah, I'll write one up, definitely.
1: And I'll also have, um, the, uh, my little article, um, progress, progressing, how to progress through progress. The world famous, Easy.
0: how to progress through progress.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting, uh, hype worldwide, who'd have thought it? Uh, just a form, forum, forum, Fred. Um, uh, which, I'm not sure if we mentioned it last time, it's just, um, for anyone who's looking to get into progress, um, I've gone through every single show, um, given brief thoughts on each match, uh, thrown star ratings at them. So you can go through cherry pick which matches you wanna see, because at this point, they're twenty shows in. Watching twenty whole shows is quite the undertaking mm. to jump into a promotion, but as the promotion's very much a storyline promotion, it's not the easiest to just jump in on. So if you're you're looking for a guide on how to um Wade into the waters of progress for the first time. Um, uh, hopefully, that's useful. Right. Um, if we're moving on to, I think that's uh, progress done for the um, this episode. Yeah. Uh, we've gone pretty long already.
0: Um, <laughs> we'll try and wrap <laughs> things up relatively quickly. Well, I
1: think if wrap we... things
0: up. We still got a fair bit to do. But uh,
1: what I one thing I wanted to address uh, in terms of um, Feedback from the first set of uh, our first recording was uh, the London centricness. Um, this isn't me going. Oh, someone's criticised us. I'm uh, <laughs> laughing at them. Uh, this is me taking the criticism on board and uh, replying. Maybe criticism isn't the right word. Constructive Stop criticism. Yeah, constructive criticism. I, I didn't take it badly. They were good points. Yeah, I, I um, thought
0: uh, the feedback w- for our first show was very good, and we got some nice comments. We got some uh, constructive comments, and yeah, I appreciated it. Yeah, so
1: um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for everyone who sent them to us. You can um send them to us on our, either of our Twitter accounts or on the Voice of the Wrestling forum, where um you can um we out ha- will have a thread up for each podcast episode. Uh, in the podcast section um so the uh the constructive criticism that was brought up was the um the london centricness of um the first episode um, that that's a fair point um as the brit round table uh, in our initial episode we covered two shows that took place in london um which didn't really cover the whole of um whole of britain um but that was kind of a coincidence um the two I I described the big three in the UK as Progress, RevPro and ICW. Um and it just happens that Progress and RevPro are kind of centred in London. And those were the uh two out of the three that we happened to be talking about the, the first episode. Um with Progress now um moving up into Manchester. Um that's kind of solved our problem for us. Um Oops. we're now not just covering London, um, and of course, um, RevPro doesn't just run London, it runs across the South, and it's expanding now, as we're going to be talking about relatively soon. Um, but as for the reason we're only really covering Progress, RevPro, and we will be covering ICW a little bit, is in general, they're just the, not only are they the biggest free promotions, you could argue maybe Progress isn't one of the biggest because of if you're looking at just attendances. But they sell out so quickly, and the international buzz